0: to the podcast. Now, before we get into the episode, I'm going to give just a little bit of a promotion to our upcoming conference this year, the third annual Spirit Forward Conference 2023 happening in Douglasville, Georgia. You can register right now. You can head on over to spiritforward.faith. You'll find a registration form there. You just sign your name on the dotted line. Give us your phone number and email address. Click register and uh, we'll have you plugged in and your seat reserved for the conference this year it's going to be a wonderful anointed time where you can uh, come and fellowship with us worship with us see the gifts of the spirit receive the gifts of the spirit share in the gifts of the spirit you can learn how to prophesy there's plenty of workshops Uh, it's not just eight hours of teaching a day but we're workshopping this thing participating in the work of the ministry it's a blast Uh, cowan mill church is a place that specializes in deliverance ministry, and uh, they have seen uh, all sorts of people addicted to drugs and alcohol and pornography set free by the power of God, and you can bank on that happening. And so let me tell you, if you've got somebody in your life that needs freed from an addiction, this is the church to to attend. This is the church to, to visit, And so that's gonna happen this September and uh, the registration is free of charge and you'll be able to find on our website a little note where uh, you can reserve some lodging and we've got a deal on a hotel so you can find information about that. You can get your reservation. I think the hotel reservation's under 100 bucks before taxes, isn't that right, Ken? Something like $95 or something per hotel room?
1: Yes. You are right. Yeah. Nine, 95, 94 bucks. Yep.
0: Excellent. So you can find a little promo code there um, to get your lodging taken care of. And then also you'll find a link where you can donate. And right now we have a donor who is wanting to match your gift towards Spirit Forward. So if you make a donation towards Spirit Forward using our link on the website, then uh, we we can double our money and uh, support this ministry. And a lot of the money actually goes towards helping get pastors, especially to the conference and kind of like a scholarship program. And, uh, and of course, there's, there's just all kinds of costs that go into a conference, but you can get behind that financially. If the Lord puts that on your heart, if right now the Lord is tugging on your heart to support the Spirit Forward ministry, then just know that right now is a good season to do that when we have a, a, a matching program going on. Ken, is there anything else to say about the conference?
1: That was great. It's gonna be wonderful. We're uh, thankful that uh, you consider attending and taking some of your hard earned vacation time. Uh, or conference time, allotted conference time, as some pastors get for their churches, and uh, come see demonstration of the kingdom of God. We're gonna, there's gonna be some talk, but the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of
0: power. Come on, it's gonna be great. Hallelujah, yeah, you can see the power, and, uh, and then I also think that you don't have to be afraid of us getting too weird on you, because what you see is what you get. We're not that weird, right? Uh, we were weird before the Holy Spirit
1: came, so we're we're the same. Right. <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> yeah, the he same. hasn't made us any weirder.
0: <laughs> oh man, thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's get into this episode.
1: Welcome to the Spirit Forward Podcast. A show dedicated to the teaching, discussion, and demonstration of the work of the Spirit of Jesus. God bless you, and thanks for listening.
0: Ken, we're talking about inner healing today. This is a form of ministry that is so dear to both of our churches, and and to Cowan Mill Church, and uh, to ministries that get involved with inner healing. They immediately see the intrinsic value to what this actually means. Now, for me personally, and I maybe you could say the same growing up in the Baptist space that I did, I, we really didn't have a context for this term inner healing. Was that something you guys pursued as a Baptist ministry?
1: No, we were, uh, there was a little bit of a push for the competent to counsel, new counseling uh, line, especially uh, in my uh, last few years in my home church. Um, but the pastors of the mega church did the lion's share of counseling. There was never really any talk of deliverance outside of somebody being set free at salvation. You know, those, those, uh, key stories, keystone stories would be told over and over again of somebody being saved and praise God, there were many of those. But as far as deliverance after that, um, there wasn't a ton of talk that the term discipleship wasn't a big term in our ministry. Um, Mm. and so it was just, once you get saved, get into the, the church culture. And if you do what the church culture provides, if you participate in those things, then you will um, grow and, and uh, you'll find a community and that will help you become more like Jesus. And a lot of it was well and good, but there just wasn't, um, if you had addiction, we had a mission for you, or we had a Mm. um, Friday night recovery group for you, uh, but there wasn't a ton of conversation around the demonic or around healing.
0: Very true. Uh, I, I think in my experience, at least what I walked away with, I won't put this on anyone else's shoulders but my own, but what I kind of walked away with was uh, you need to get born again and you need to get educated. And the more you learn, uh, the better yeah. you'll be. Of course, we know James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be a doers of the word also. And so there has to be some kind of application to some of these, con- you know, some of these concepts like forgiveness. I, uh, I think forgiveness has got to be one of the most underrated topics of the kingdom. Uh, so yeah. that'll be one of the things we talk about today. Um, but when it comes to inner healing, and I will say, like I think mental health and Christian counseling is on the rise and I think that's incredible, just a wonderful thing. And there's a ton of overlap where you find a lot of the uh, inner healing ministers and the Christian counselors uh, realistically going after after the same wounds, after the same trauma, And and in fact, I think a lot of the really, really good inner healing ministries seem to have gotten a lot of their information from the mental health and the Christian counseling field. So I think there's a lot of sharing and there's a lot of overlap. And of course, if you followed this channel at all, you'd realize how how important we believe deliverance is. And by that, we mean getting free of the demons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I was not familiar with the term inner healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a logical term for me. Once I started pursuing an understanding of what the Bible taught about physical healing, then huh. the term inner healing made sense. Like, oh, you have a broken heart. You're going to need some healing as well. Uh, just being delivered from a tormenting voice doesn't mean that your heart is healed. Uh, yes. Just as if you get um, you know shot by a, by a firearm, the bullet being removed doesn't heal the wound. Mm-hmm. It allows for the healing of the wound. But um, that, that tra- uh, trajectory or that uh, projectile, that's what we're looking for, that projectile that hits you has to be removed. And so when Satan's arrow hits you, you need deliverance from the arrow, and then you need healing from the wound caused by the arrow. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of Jesus's purposes, right, to come to earth was to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's deliverance. You're delivered from captivity. The opening of the prison of those who are bound, right, Isaiah 61.1. So... Um, this healing of a broken heart is something that is, is um, filling the scriptures whether it's uh heal my heart from sin by creating me a clean heart right psalm 51 is filled with inner healing from david to the lord where he's asking him for cleansing for purifying for healing and then he can praise the name of the lord again but this brokenness caused by his sin is keeping him from praising the lord um, you know so there's 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 many psalms, that's a a popular one, a famous one, many psalms that speak to uh, the Lord doing a ministering work in the spirit, the soul
0: of man. There was, you know, in Psalm 119, we have also a lot of, I think, references towards the word and towards inner healing, and I think I spent a lot of my years, you know, I'd fall into sin all over again, feel guilty about it, then recite to myself, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word, right? And it was, uh, or uh, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So I think that's the same passage. And, you know, we'd, I'd, I'd think to myself, well, if I just memorize more scripture, then I'm going to be set free kind of a thing. And I think it's, it's deeper than just memorizing it, right? There's an obedience factor there's an application factor. It's like, I mean, I could, I could memorize um, a, a book on, on medical treatments. I could memorize, I could get a PhD in, in medicine, but unless I'm applying the information, unless I'm using it, I, I mean, what good is that gonna do us? And so for me, I, I guess I probably took a step from just knowing the, the data to actually making application and then realizing by experience you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. I taste uh, an experience out of what God is doing in my life, and, and and then it would just click. Oh, you know, this is freedom. This is healing. And uh, realizing that I, I need a lot of that. I need daily healing, um, and I need healing <laughs> from a lifetime of, of wounds. And yeah. as we talk about inner healing, and maybe somebody has a concept from their background, maybe someone has no concept from a background. I think probably we should start by getting on the same page. So for the sake of this conversation and for the sake of this podcast, could you give us a a definition, a working definition of what is inner healing?
1: Yeah, we're using the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, through his spirit to minister to broken hearts. Um, And that may be even too narrow because when we get into it, we realize that um, there's a lot going on in the mind and a lot going on in the gut, um, which we'll explain here in a minute. But I think that what I find predominantly myself doing uh, three times a week, two or three times a week, is using the uh, gospel of Jesus to believers, typically, although we've seen many people saved, um, to help them um, find healing in their, in their brokenness, find healing in a broken heart. So... Um, And I I think brokenhearted is fine because it's a scriptural term, right? We just quoted Isaiah 61. Amen. Uh, Charles Graff's a guy that has written extensively on this. He says, Inner or deep level healing is a ministry that corrects a problem. It specializes in freeing people from the emotional and spiritual garbage that we accumulate as we go through life. And it frees people to be what Jesus intended us to be. And it frees the church to be what it is supposed to be as well. Um, And I think when he talks about garbage he's using the metaphor for deliverance he, he calls demons rats and he says they feed off garbage so they they kind of feed off the infection of the wounds in our spirit um we have now i think i referred to this in other other uh, episodes but we have three uh, places in our body that collect memories we have of course our brain then our heart and then our gut uh, all have memory cells so if people get heart transplants they will oftentimes sometimes anyways have the memories of the person whose heart they now have in their body. There's 40,000 different memory cells in most people's hearts, the average person's heart. So um, those memories have power. Why would God make us that way unless those memories have some sort of effect on us? And a lot of inner healing is going back to the events that someone's experienced and and using their memory and a sanctified imagination, as we like to call it, um, helping them um, find healing over that event. You'll you'll talk to people if you uh, walk this earth enough who uh, can't help but bring up a bad day they had in the past. And uh, the worse the day, it seems, the more they bring it up. And mm-hmm. it becomes their identity. Uh, the memory of that day, how it altered their life, how they could have been this if that day hadn't happened. Right? Their whole life is directed by what becomes a memory. And over the years, the story may change a little bit as their memory seasons and as the memory fades a little bit. But the power of that memory uh, takes a greater and greater hold on their life. And uh, in that memory is bitterness, right? And you and I have talked about this uh, before the show, how forgiveness is like the primary step one in walking out the Christian life, but it's so underrated in most discipleship curriculums. A discipleship curriculum is what is the word of God and uh, what is the Trinity and who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit, who is the Father, and um, what do we believe about creation? And all these things are vital and important to discuss but early, early on in having a right perspective and walking with Jesus, there needs to be a conversation about forgiveness. And a lot of people's memories are um, just in bondage to an event that uh, festers in their mind and it creates a, uh, a bitter root in their spirit. And that bitterness um, speaks to them like a voice. And that bitterness allows the enemy to come in. And so first there there's a need for deliverance, right? Um, but along with that need for deliverance is a need for repentance and then a need for healing and um, so we we are often walking people back those memories a lot of those memories are times when they were victims and so there's nothing to repent of right it's it's more a matter of forgiving you know if someone was hurt as a five six seven year old or exposed to something as a child which we we unfortunately hear quite often in our uh, rafa rooms that we have here our healing rooms um, then we're not asking them to repent Um, we are um, letting them kind of release it to the Lord and helping them give that to the Lord. And there's a time when after you're hurt, um, I'll just use an example. Um, We've dealt with many people who, as a child, were exposed to pornography by a parent. Um, Someone shared with us recently that their father uh, was watching pornography, and when they came down, he put a blanket over their head and kept watching it, but the blanket had holes in it. And so this five-year-old child was exposed to hours of pornography, watching it with his father. And that was not his fault as a five-year-old. The person who was his authority figure, who was supposed to teach him how to do life, Mm. taught him in a horrible, uh, warping, distorting, heartbreaking way. And so what we did first was uh, forgave um, the father, which takes a lot of time. And then secondly, what we did was we went to the place where the, the child became an adult and took, took this behavior in their own hands, and that's where repentance starts. And so there's kind of a, a time when they know it was wrong, it shouldn't have happened, but they continue in it. And you could say, and I think, I think a psychiatrist would say, that they couldn't help but do that because of how they were formed and how they were mentored. And uh, I wouldn't argue that, but I find it's very freeing for people to be able to repent of the times that they had control and they gave away control to the enemy, while also forgiving people for the times when they had no control, they had no strength, and they were victimized. And um, obviously there's all these things kind of working together hand in hand. There's um, uh, repentance, there's forgiveness, there's deliverance, there's healing, all working together. So we're Mm -hmm. kind of going in and out of all of those. Um, But for today's episode, inner healing is really going back to that memory and asking Jesus to heal the memory We find people have memories of Jesus in the room after the healing, which is awesome. It's not something that we insist happens or that we even try to get to happen all the time. But many times people will go back in their memory and Jesus will show them how he's healing that memory and how he was with them even in that worst of times. And um, that can be very healing. It can also be very frightening for people. So, again, it's not something that we push all the time. But um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an example of how we're dealing with a broken heart and walking people through uh, some healing of that uh, inner man.
0: Amen. Um, speaking the gospel to the saints, I was um, kind of thinking, I guess it was a couple days ago, Thinking about Romans chapter 1, and we know, famously, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation. And in that same text, he says, I am so ready and eager to preach the gospel to you, to the church at Rome, right? He's not saying I'm so eager to go door to door and hand out gospel tracts for, you know, uh, for those to be born again. He's saying I, I'm, I'm ready to preach the gospel again to the church. And then when we consider that it's the power of God into salvation, we recognize that doesn't just mean justification. That's not uh, relegated to being born again or being justified of sin. It has to do with the extent of our salvation, to our deliverance, and to our sanctification, and to our inner healing. And so the gospel is you know, needing to be applied so often. And we, we often... Um, We'll talk about the blood of Jesus and the oil of the Holy Spirit and the gospel really is the application of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're coming back and it might be through the use of communion, you know, we're taking the Lord's Supper recognizing there's a healing power in the Lord's Supper, like a real healing power in the Lord's Supper and so we might be using that to declare the gospel and we might be um, taking the trauma and speaking the truth of the gospel to it. So when the scriptures speak to us about renewing the mind and when Paul spoke in Philippians about thinking on uh, things that are true and virtuous we are we understand that there's an application of the truth of the gospel to the mind and fixating our mind and seeing uh, how does this trauma actually like fit into the truth of the gospel um, what was accomplished when Jesus Christ bled on the cross for that traumatic event you know for that sin that I committed or was committed against me Jesus Christ bled and died for that sin And so to think that maybe there's not opportunity for inner healing is to think that maybe the cross isn't sufficient. Hmm. Uh, To think that I can't have my broken heart repaired is to think Isaiah 61 just isn't true for me. And we do fall into that. That's got to be one of the top lies that a Christian is operating from. That all the promises of God are really good for Ken, but they're not really good for me or somehow I get overlooked in the kingdom of God. But what we recognize is that when the Bible speaks of salvation, when the Bible speaks of being saved, sozo, when it speaks about healing, and these terms that are throughout the New Testament, we recognize that one of the primary ways those apply, even more so than the healing of our body, is the healing of our broken heart, the healing of a spirit. And then the fruit of that, your ministry and our ministry, you know, at this point, anyone who's walked through an inner healing would realize, man, when that area of my heart was healed, I found a great deal of liberty and a great deal of the presence of God's love. You know, the, when the spirit washes over me, now I have his love and his joy and his peace, where once there was lust, when once there was brokenness, where once there was shame and regret, now there is acceptance. Where once I was orphaned, now I'm adopted. And it's actually like, yeah, we know these things to be true, but they're becoming a reality to my heart. And so much of the scripture is true. I mean, it's all true whether I believe it or not, but so much of it is true without me believing it. And I think a a huge degree of inner healing is actually getting the human heart to believe and receive the truth of the gospel and just the truth of God's word. Yeah, for many Christians, their uh,
1: actual salvation, if you look at their belief system, is death and not Jesus, because all the things they're expecting mm-hmm. to get from the gospel are going to happen when they die, and Jesus is saving and healing and delivering now on this side. Yeah. Like this is a this is a very important uh, um, uh, part of your eternity. These mm-hmm. uh, three score and ten years or so that you get to live on the earth, and so God wants to do some healing work. He really did mean it when he said, "I came to give life and life more abundantly." John ten ten. Uh, so he he wants us to live in the abundant Let's life. Go. Yes. And so we are trying to be ministers of that. You know, the story of the Good Samaritan, the parable, right, is there's treating of this person's wounds with oil and wine. And the Holy Spirit and the blood of Jesus ministers to wounds. And the church should be that inn where um, we partner with Jesus um, to help a person find healing. Um, the woman at the well, yeah. I think, is great. another great Bible example. Mm. When Jesus dealt with her, and she left. It was interesting that her encounter with Jesus uh, left her with the takeaway of, come and meet this man who told me everything I ever did. So he walks her through these memories. And I think a skeptic would say, well, he just, he just pointed out her sins. Uh, but he, he did. But he left her with this feeling of incredible love and salvation and hope. And we find that inner healing is needed in the church because many people get saved because they're afraid of hell and they live a Christian life in bondage, which is no Christian life at all. And yeah. um, I have no doubt because of the mercy of God that they are destined to eternal life into heaven. The blood of Jesus has washed away their sin, but they are like little children who've not been taught how to walk. And so they are growing in the faith. They're 10, 12, 15 years along in their salvation and they still can't walk with Jesus because they have not been helped with these, uh, these wounds. And uh, So that's what, that's the ministry of inner healing. Look, we have to give this disclaimer in any arena we talk about, just like there's thousands of different opinions on how deliverance should be done. There's also thousands of different opinions on how inner healing should be done. And there's certainly inner healing ministries that use many secular psychiatric um, methods. Uh, There's new age that's influencing uh, Mm, some inner healing ministries and there's just some inner healing that's just done very poorly. They They tell people to get off their medication. They um, uh, ignore uh, sound medical advice. Uh, They um, reject all biblical counseling, which we're certainly not doing. Uh, So inner healing has a place in the church, just like counseling does, uh, just like preaching does, just like a discipleship process does. And we find that because of the amount of, um, wounds that people are picking up in the church and just in life in general. That if the church is going to be a spiritual hospital it needs to have a context for inner healing and hopefully be raising up men and women in the church who have a heart for it who um, can help with deliverance but then also walk out because sometimes deliverance is very quick and then inner healing is several hours you know several sessions uh, week to week month to month needed and it's a form of discipleship it's helping a person grow in their sanctification Um, so that's that's kind of how uh, we've come to see it at the father's house and we're certainly still growing in it but uh, the lord's uh, really putting us in an accelerated growth pace because the last three years there's been um appointments almost every week and we had a season where there was none Amen. in there but then it's just been non-stop uh, ever since so uh the lord's awesome. definitely called us to do it and uh, it's really beautiful um so the lord, the lord used the metaphor of the of the soil right uh, a lot he loved the farming metaphor whether it's uh, the person that describes a a treasure in the field and um, they sell all they have to obtain that field for the treasure that's there, the Pearl of Great Price type um, uh, metaphor. But uh, we've seen with this truth, right, this principle that uh, a good tree doesn't bear a bad fruit and a bad tree doesn't bear good fruit. And so if we see bad fruit in someone's life, then we wanna go address the root causes. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the idea of, of inner healing. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who went forth to sow, right? And you have different responses to the seed. But you also have a, another parable where the sower sows during the day and the enemy sows at night. And so Jesus comes in and he helps you discern what is a wheat and what is a tare. Um, and you know it by the fruit. And so those different metaphors are kind of what our ministry uses to help people see seeds that have been planted in their life by the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And how if we remove those kingdom of darkness seeds then uh, the, the seeds of the kingdom of light can grow without interference. Um, and, and that's just, uh, no pun intended, born incredible fruit in, uh, in our ministry. God's been doing uh, great things. So, um, no, anyway, that's great. At-
0: I mean, you, you did not intend the pun. Maybe the Lord did, right? But it's like the, the huge, huge theme of the scriptures, or one huge theme of the scriptures is the garden. You know, it began in the garden, It ends with a garden. And here we are as trees of righteousness. Once again, going back to Isaiah. um, I I like what you said that the message of the gospel is not, you need Jesus so you can go to heaven, right? Like Jesus did not show up and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare heaven to you people. It, It was, I'm here to heal, to set the captive free, to restore your life. And I think too, that we have to consider, you know, For instance, when Jesus says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, I will give you rest. Uh, If you're finding yourself weary with life, um, boy, a pastor friend just told me something really great this week. He said, if you are tired, uh, you can solve that with a nap. If you are weary, a nap isn't going to solve that. Jesus didn't say, if you're weary, take a nap. He said, if you're weary, come to me. And there's this deep weariness, there's a soul weariness that even, you know, good night's sleep can't take care of. There's a restoration process that needs to take place. God's call upon your life is this restorative process. And so I think certainly we should consider, is the approach I'm taking to inner healing one that is restoring me? Because a lot of times uh, our approach is either coping or even subtraction. You know, I think a lot of times the medication that we get on, it might uh, stymie, it might restrict some of the the negativity or like the the hurt. I might not feel as much, but it's actually subtracting away from, from who I am. And so I think we really need to pay attention to is the approach I'm taking, whether it's through counseling, whether it's through medicine, whether it's through the church, whether it's whatever, like is this, Restoring me, the way that Jesus restores us—is it bringing me into an abundant life, or is it just numbing the pain? Is it—is it am I just using this to cope? And by the way, people use all kinds of Jesus things to cope. You could turn on worship music, and and cope with worship music all day long, and yet that's not necessarily a healing thing. And so I think we need to consider the restorative principles of the gospel and think, hey, what am I doing that is actually affecting a healing and not just putting another bandage on the wound? And yeah. probably the answer is going to involve multiple components, not just one.
1: Yeah, I know skeptics about of inner healing often just say, well, if a person would just walk the Lord through devotions, you know, Mm-hmm. Read your Bible and pray, then the Lord's going to bring healing. But inner healing, it done well, done properly, is not that we're perfect at it, um, but I think done properly, the goal is the application of Scripture and yeah. the application of prayer. So there is a tremendous move in the New Testament and New Testament church, uh, example of people praying together. And inner healing is essentially people praying together. We we used to call our offer rooms prayer rooms because it was just people praying and we would talk to the person then we would talk to Jesus, we talk to the person and do it so interchangeably that the person just found it like wow, you talk like Jesus is in the room, I'm like well he is you know, if two or three <laughs> gathered my name I'm in the midst so here we are, we've got uh, three, two or three people on the prayer team plus the client that we're working with and um, and that's that's one reason that we structure our Spirit Forward Conference the way it is, is we, we try to be real honest with the schedule up front, that there's going to be um, you know, a segment of worshiped Of worship music there's gonna be a segment of preaching and teaching and there's gonna be a segment of prayer and that prayer time is not you sit in your seat by yourself but it's you go and receive prayer from a trained couple and we've got you know a dozen to 20 trained couples at each conference and so you get your inner healing so the preaching it's not enough to have a five-minute invitation or a 15-minute invitation where we just invite people to come to the altar and pray we really want the the truth from the message and really want the will of God through his spirit to drive deep in a person's life. And, um, we believe that uh, the preaching is only one third of that. We think that the worship, uh, softens the heart. It, uh, it, you know, it almost cleanses the room in some cases, right? It's very much a war cry in, uh, in, in worship. We'll do another podcast on that. And then there's the preaching of God's word, which is, which is, um, very important. It's critical. Um, but then also right after that, it's, two or three gathered together, and we're going to pray. So if it's 45 minutes of worship and 45 minutes of preaching, there's going to be at least 45 minutes of prayer. And that's what we feel a service should be. And it's not something where we're going to wonder if God's going to move and allow people to stay at the altar or linger for 45 minutes. No, we're we're going to ahead of time plan that we're all going to pray for that time. If nobody comes forward, then we're just going to pray on our knees together and move around and pray amongst ourselves as a prayer team. But the Lord is good that when you make space for it, he shows up. And uh, so inner healing doesn't just have to happen in um, some planned session in an office or a prayer room, but it happens often for our churches, I know, and for our conferences at Spirit Forward. It happens at the altar after uh, the message is finished, but the service is still going and Jesus is still moving and it's beautiful. Just, uh, I just remember thinking, and I know you, you had this perspective too, because you and I were the ones who ran the, the prayer time at different times in the conference last year, just looking and seeing all of these couples Praying for people and moving around. You know, I would use was... the word.
0: I would use the word pairs. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm, th- I'm thinking about uh, Dustin and Preston yanking demons oh, yeah. out of somebody well, Like well, that. they're not a you know many couple. of
1: us. Many of you know many of my church people go with their spouses, right? So we have. 12, uh-huh. I call them couples for that reason. But yeah, th- some <laughs> of them split up and outside of their marriage. So, but yeah, you could just see about a hundred different people, because not everyone wanted to get prayer. And that's fine, but about a hundred different people each night at least, went forward to one of 12 pairs and received prayer. And some went from went to a couple different uh, pairs to, to receive mm-hmm. prayer. And mm-hmm. we encouraged it. Get as much mm-hmm. prayer as you want. Talk to everybody on the prayer team if you want. And there was all sorts of things happening. In one side of the room, be someone getting deliverance. Yeah, man. And you would just see them just, you know, their eyes kind of wide open, like, man, I feel something physically. I'm being set free someone else would just be getting some some physical healing and they're mm. testing out their arm like their their separated shoulder is getting healed um others are getting saved and still others are just sobbing as they're getting um healing from a tra- traumatic incident from their past and and then many things in between all that uh yeah. happening and, and it was beautiful to get to um to to see that get to minister to it um and be a witness of it and that's uh I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's the perfect way to do church, but I, I certainly love how our conferences um, foster that.
0: Oh man, are you kidding me? What one of the greatest greatest things is is looking around the room and seeing a people who recognize the presence of the Lord and realizing this is the place I want to be right now. You He's know? here. And, yeah. Oh man, and yes, there's all sorts of people at the altar receiving all kinds of healing. There's all sorts of. Um, trained workers who are working out of the voice of the Holy Spirit, asking the right questions and helping this person to navigate the, you know, the areas of their life that they have intentionally tried to forget, you know, and and seeing people come under the weight of God's glory, falling to their knees, falling to their face, um, finding the, the healing of the Lord, the, the weight of God's glory, and, and, then, and then looking over there and seeing another couple um, helping to deliver a person from, from a very powerful demon or you know one of the best stories that um, I know you love from the last conference was the the two guys who came in to the conference just by the skin of their teeth like didn't didn't even want to come to the conference because the other guy was there and then by the end they had reconciled had forgiven they were enjoying fellowship and it was like man such such power that took place you know there's no yeah. way that we can even keep track of what the Lord did in like a one-hour uh, altar call. Oh, on that note of altar calls, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, there's no way you can plan an altar call. There's no way that you can plan. Uh, you know, to that, it's like, dude, we, we plan all kinds of things. I, You know what? It was like I every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. was soul winning time. Can you guarantee souls would be won? No, but we planned to go soul winning and— um, we have had revival meetings my entire life. Can you plan for a revival? Um, you can. You can certainly do your part, and you can come with an expectation. You can expect somebody to get saved during soul winning. You can expect a revival to happen during a revival meeting. And I, uh, one thing I have been so touched in the past year has been the concept of actually planning the altar call and. Thinking of it in terms of like, I don't want people to just respond to a sermon, although that's kind of a major point. Uh, I want people to respond to God. I want people to respond to His Spirit. And so, how do we navigate an altar call to where it might result in everybody standing and making a public confession together? Uh, yeah. It might it might be a call for certain people with certain traumas, you know, to come forward and, and receive prayer from the counseling team or whatever it is. But it's like let's let's put some intentionality into the what, what you guys call ministry time or into the altar call, and let's just expect Jesus will do what Jesus always does.
1: Yeah, we bathe it in prayer. If you're going to plan it without prayer, it's going to be pointless and powerless. But uh, if you bathe it in prayer and you feel a unity in the team about what the Lord wants to do, mm-hmm. then you're planning in response to the Lord. You're not asking for the Lord's endorsement. You're asking for the Lord's direction. And then... You're partnering with him to do what he wants to do that night.
0: Um, And that's, you know, as a testimony, there's a lot of people that don't know, you know, they wouldn't know that the amount of planning and wrestling, there was a wrestling, especially when we were, had our planning meeting a couple weeks ago. Like we wrestled for two days trying to figure out uh, how do, how do we do this this year, Lord? We're not going to copy paste. We're not going to imitate. We're going to follow the Lord's leading. And there was a significant spiritual wrestling over how do we organize this event. So when we talk with such confidence over like a conference meeting, we're going, hey, the Lord's speaking, uh, we're following, and there's no reason in the world to think it's going to be fruitless. Right. So that's
1: corporate inner healing. But here's some some common things we're talking about. Now, I, I, I think the word practitioner would also help people who are maybe skeptical of planning, you know, a medical practitioner they anticipate a certain number of cases of diabetes and of heart disease and of cancer. So when we are talking about planning inner healing, we just know after dealing with several hundred cases, I quoted Charles Kraft earlier, he did 30,000 sessions. Okay, so, you know, after a certain number of cases that these are common things, you know, unfortunately, this year, there's been um, several dozen cases of childhood uh, sexual abuse that um, we've had to um, hear about and um, have been privileged to pray with a, a person who suffered that and so when we um, feel like the Lord is leading for us to preach on a certain type of bondage um, like like sexual bondage we uh, we know that a lot of that bondage is related to childhood trauma and wounds so when we're talking about planning we we want to take these cases very seriously and we really want to administer as much help as possible in the in the lane that God's given us we don't think that we're the be-all end-all in helping people find um, complete and total healing but we do believe that we can um, uh, administrate the the service in such a way or the the uh, the prayer room in such a way where Jesus can do so much more than the client expects and um we just tell them hey take it easy for the next couple weeks and and let let the fruit of this meeting be born and so so many times we hear of complete freedom from bondage and tremendous healing in uh in their in their marriages or in their uh, own self-image and 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 not hearing the voice of shame anymore Uh, we are seeing fruit because it's lasting change uh from people who've who've been in these sessions so Um, that's the idea of being a practitioner. You see a certain number of cases, you kind of have expectations. So you're not planning um, your will as much as anticipating how you can help people the most effectively. Um, So there's a lot of different categories we look at in inner healing. I think one is um, we help people look at their soul, um, our heart, our spirit, our emotions, right? So your feelings, um, your attitude, uh, your mind, your will, the way you think, right? All of that's Um, locked up there in your inner man and so we it's so helpful when someone from the outside looks at you and identifies those thought processes that are so familiar Mm -hmm. to you because they're coming from your mind and then begins to hold those thought processes up to the lens of god's word so are you an anxious or fearful person well yeah you know my mom is my dad is just natural right my kids are it's just the way it is and you don't think anything of it anymore and then when you hold up the scriptures and you hold up the expectation of Jesus that he has for your spirit to not be afraid, all of a sudden you start to feel this hope like, wait, I don't always have to live in this fear. And so a lot of inner healing is just introducing people to um, parts of their mindset that they didn't know were there, parts of their emotions that didn't know were there. People come to us with one big thing typically, and by the end, we've been able to show them all the roots under that big thing. You know, a lot of people who struggle with addiction to one thing, it's all about the drug they, they have to overcome. It's all about the, the pornography they have to overcome. And they don't realize the shame, the guilt, the anger, the control. And they don't even see the wounds or the patterns from previous generations. Right. So, so I it, think
0: that's what the gospel illuminates in a way. is like when we come thinking, I've got a bad fruit problem. You know, we, we are paying attention to the bad fruit, the addiction, the sin. Um, and then what happens in a healing room is typically like stepping back and saying, let's look at the roots of the thing. And you come to realize, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm coping with the shame that happened because of, of this particular trauma. You know, there's this wound that I'm trying to guard. And so there's a, a pattern of self-defense. There's a pattern of coping. And, and then, of course, the enemy works over time to keep us under shame. And the enemy is the one who's tempting us tempting, tempting, tempting into the sin, but then following the sin, shaming, shaming, shaming. And so all we can think of at all times is at the fruit level uh, or the surface level. And we want to go go down deeper. And like you said, having someone to help you. I you know I was thinking about when Jesus said, you know, don't judge your brother for the for the splinter in his eye because you have a beam in your own eye. But I think that there's a principle there of like you can see what's in your brother's eye. And that's actually an effective tool. So I, I can see the splinter in your eye, and that's good. And you can see the beam in my eye, and we can, we can help one another. So, you know, I think that it lends itself towards confess your sins one to another that you may be healed, right, including inner healing. Confess so that you may be healed. That allows us to help each other navigate where we're being deceived. This is the first half of a two-part conversation on the topic of inner healing. I hope you join us next week for part two this exciting episode. Thanks for listening.
1: For more resources, please visit spiritforward.faith. And until next time, may God bless you in Jesus' mighty
0: name.